Welcome to From the Hallway, a podcast of the St. Constantine School. My name is Chris Yee. I am a professor here, and I have with me some people I was just talking to out in the hallway. You want to say hi to the nice people? Hi. Hello. Hi. <laughs> For those of you listening at home, that was uh, Megan Muller, John Muller, and David Gilbert. So uh, we are here with a long overdue post of From the Hallway um, to talk about an issue that I have actually been uh, thinking about for a while. So hopefully you guys have been thinking about it at least since I told you we were about to podcast on it. Um, What I want to talk about is why anyone ever needs to learn facts, right? So I can understand learning facts in a sort of pre-internet age, right? When you don't have facts literally available at your fingertips at any given time. But, you know, like why memorize a formula for math? Why know what the capital of Turkey is? Why you know, have any of these kinds of things memorized when, you know, Google or Siri or Alexa or your internet entity of your choice is constantly at your fingertips ready to give you a fact. Um, Because, you know, here here at the St. Constantine School, we do a lot of developing from facts, thinking about uh, ideas that stem from facts, but we don't, uh, I'm not sure why we teach people to memorize facts. Does anyone have any thoughts? Well, I think I start with the assumption that Memorizing facts is not the goal of knowledge. It's not the goal of our intellect. Um, It's lesser than wisdom or understanding or being able to order things correctly in the the world. But it does seem really important, knowledge of facts. You seem to be culpably ignorant if they didn't know certain facts, you know. An American would be culpably ignorant if they didn't know that the United States was founded in 1776. Hmm. I think there's also, we're going to have to talk more about that, but as a starting point, I would also say it's unavoidable for humans to memorize things. We can't not use memory for facts, which is often something we can't even necessarily control, right? I don't want to tell you how many radio jingles I know, (laughs) um, how many songs I effortlessly memorized that do me no good, um, the facts that I know about things that I don't try to or want to remember but my brain can retain because the human mind is an amazing machine um so there's that part of it is interesting to me because we don't make things like computers to replace the meaningful work of being a human they're supposed to help us and if memorization is sort of uh i i don't know why but it seems to be a key function of being a a human person and you're going to memorize things whether you want to or not it seems like choosing what you memorize in a mindful meaningful way is an important part of being a human person and it's also unavoidable so if you can't not memorize things we should memorize things that we should memorize yeah and i like (laughs) i really like that you used the word mindful there because that goes into kind of my off-the-cuff response to chris's question and kind of going along with what David said, knowledge of facts, memorization of facts is not the ultimate goal of education. It's not the ultimate goal of being human. That should be more characterized by wisdom and understanding. But a person who has a wide range of facts or various kinds of knowledge at their disposal without having to look something up is the kind of person who is well-equipped to be mindfully making good choices. You're aware of things so that you're not at the mercy of circumstance. If you have a range of things with you at all times, that you don't have to say, hey Siri, what does such and such mean? Or when did such and such happen? Though, I mean, 
there would still be times, you can't know everything. There would still be times that you would have to access a source. But the educated person is a person who brings those things to bear easily um, and is mindful of many things while encountering any circumstance. I think I agree, but I also wonder whether that's not a function of sort of pre-internet, pre-Google society, right? Like in pre-Google ideas about how you need to operate in the world. If your only other option is to sort of find an encyclopedia on the shelf and thumb through it in order to find a date for something that you want, then yeah, you need to memorize the basic dates that you're going to be working with at any given time because it's going to take a while. But it probably takes me less time. I don't know if you guys have had this experience, right? Where you're trying to remember something that you feel like you should know. And then someone's like, I'll just Google it. And you're like, wait, no, 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 no. I know this. I want to know it. And you like make the whole conversation take an extra four minutes because you're trying to rack your brain to remember the fact that it's very readily available to anyone with a phone, which is everyone in the room. Right. No, it, it feels like cheating if you look it up. Right. But like, why? You, you want to put it, you want to put the pieces together for yourself and you want to like remember the date or remember the director of that movie or, or whatever the fact is. You want to remember that. And you have to just walk through whatever memory stages that you have to get there. You know, I actually... And there, there's a success and victory to doing that. I'm going to... David is the perfect example for this. He just mentioned remembering facts <laughs> about movies. This is something that I really appreciate about David because anybody could say they love movies, but David Gilbert loves movies. <laughs> David Gilbert loves movies so much that he is basically the human IMDb. And if you have a question about a movie, even if David doesn't like that movie, even if David's never seen that movie, he's going to be able to tell you what year it came out. Well, now, now you're going to put me on the spot and I'm totally not going to remember. This happened, you do. what yeah. was it, two days ago? We were talking about James M. Cain, the noir author, and I was talking about Mildred Pierce, which is this fantastic novel. And I was like, you know, I wonder if there was a film of it. David's never read Mildred Pierce. He didn't know who wrote the book but he was like yeah there there have been a few i think and he like knew the director of one of them and was like i think one came out like 1945 and then we got on imdb and he was right about all of it he just knew everything about all of those adaptations anyway i just think knowledge shows an investment in a thing that somebody could say they were a big time movie buff but if they don't have and you know we use the word encyclopedic for the way some people know stuff if you have an encyclopedic knowledge of something it's because the human mind can't help but memorize material so if you spend a lot of time with it if you sit with it if it's important to you it seeps into your brain and into your memory and you know this is another thing about human memory right there's no lid on it there's no capacity like you're never like oh i need to save room in my brain so I can think about deep topics, so I'm not gonna memorize facts. The facts I can get from Google, I'm gonna use my brain for more advanced thought. That's not how the brain works. No one's ever tapped it out, right? There's no way to fill it. So it's not like you're picking memorizing facts over doing deep thought because your brain can do it all infinitely, apparently. No one's ever reached the top. Yeah, I think that's right. Something that just this discussion has made me think about is you could take an Aristotelian line and say humans have a capacity for memory. So the perfection of that capacity would involve memorizing facts and actively working to memorize things so that you are functioning properly as a human with respect to your memory. Now, what's interesting about that is that Google does provide a solid substitute for mm -hmm. your memory. You're not the one memorizing it if you're having to look everything up, but it's all there, maybe sometimes even more accessible in a weird way. Mm -hmm. Even though if you have the memorized fact in your head, like you were mentioning earlier, like what was the date of Harry Truman's uh, time in office? 
uh, and then you figure it out. But you could look it up a lot faster than it would take to remember those dates or those facts. I have no way of absolutely proving this, but my sense is that I'm actually slower at recalling those kinds of things since I've started relying on Google more for like quick facts that don't seem quite as important. Like I don't chew myself out for not remembering X, but I do feel like, Chris, when you mentioned earlier, slowing down a conversation because you're trying to remember something, I feel like I do that a little more now than I did when I was in college. Again, I don't know that that's true, but my sense is that that is true. There's something else that's going on when you remember a fact. There's a pleasure to remembering a fact mm -hmm. that you don't get if somebody tells you or you look it up. The pleasure is the recall and the generating it and saying, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Slope intercept is y equals mx plus b. He just read that off a board. I read that off a board. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, they never would have known. Yeah, well, I'm here to keep you honest. There you go. So I know, but that would have sounded really cool. If it was, <laughs> yeah, uh, no, no, sorry. I, I blew it up on you. I feel like there's something else. Maybe this is a little bit too defensive to be an actual reason, like a deep, real reason why. I feel like so far, you guys have been giving good explanations. I feel like so far I've been saying why not in answer to <laughs> like why fun. we should memorize things. Like you can, nothing is saying that that's a less important way to spend your time than doing other things. Your brain is capable of it. But there also seems to be some sort of defensive thing about knowing truth and having truth inside of you for yourself. We live in a world where, we're, especially now because of the internet, we're constantly being bombarded with stuff people are asserting is true. And so I'll make one up off the top of my head. When you read a story that's, you know, like a meme that someone's sharing on Facebook about when Teddy Roosevelt led the Rough Riders into battle in World War I and how inspiring that is, you need to stop and ask yourself, did Teddy Roosevelt lead the Rough Riders into <laughs> battle during World War I? Now, if you live a life where you don't have any facts in your head, if you don't think to question every single thing that you read and look it up, then you are accepting the things that are being asserted around you as being true. But if you have some rudimentary American history inside of you, if you've been asked to memorize facts about dates and people that are important to the history of this country in particular for the example that I just invented, you'll be able to think about what's true when you see things in the world that may or may not be true. I think that's a really good example, too, because it, if you don't know American history, that's the type of thing that it sounds true. Like, yeah, Teddy Roosevelt led the Rough Riders. I think I knew something about that. Mm -hmm. And it was a long time ago when maybe around World War One. OK, yeah, that's that sounds right. Yeah, sure. OK, I believe that without a stock of facts in your head, something that sounds plausible, just somebody saying it, even though it's a totally false, you could accept it. And humans can't help but build our lives around facts, right? We build our lives around what we think is true. And if you live a life where you don't try to memorize, I, I mean, taking it right to the Bible and <laughs> there's that verse that says, <laughs> I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Now, you can talk about like accessibility to Bibles, memorization being very important because good luck reading if you're illiterate, good luck reading if the Bible is in a language that you can't read. Um, yeah, you need to memorize it. But there's something about internalizing facts and things that are true inside of yourself because they bubble up at unexpected times, but also they can save you from, from falsehood, especially if you don't live a life where you're going to constantly Google every single thing anyone ever says to you like it's the truth. 
if you're not going to have that care, then the more you know, your knowledge will protect you from believing what's false. And that seems like a kind of a gateway to making sure that you're being wise, right? Instead of having to be a skeptic and constantly looking up on Snopes.com every single thing that you ever read, just learn something in the first place hide it in your heart and you never know when it might come bubbling up to help you. Whereas if you rely on Google, your memory is just going to be, well, if you look up facts on Google, it's just because the thing has already come into your mind and you need to look it up. But if you have facts and things inside of you, they come out at unexpected times in ways that might be helpful. Yeah. One thing that occurs to me right now um, that maybe, maybe I should have suggested earlier, I think it's good the way Chris framed this question. We're talking about memorization uh, facts, like almost sort of points of trivia that I have at my disposal. We're not really talking about memory as such and, and the value of memory, because otherwise I think there would be so many directions we could go and uh, potentially talking about loss of memory and, and things like that. Um, but I think it's good to keep it about memorization of, of facts. And this kind of makes me think of, of a case where someone who has not memorized, who doesn't have memorization of facts at their disposal. To the best of our knowledge, what what constitutes facts? They're a little bit like someone who has all their life relied on Google Maps and has no actual sense of direction within themselves. At most points, relying on Google Maps works for us living in Houston. But if you find yourself in a context kind of like what you were mentioning, Megan, where potential falsehoods or confusions arise, and you don't have any sense of the truth or direction within yourself, you are vulnerable and prone to danger in a way that you would not be if you had the wherewithal to have that sense of direction. Well, I think the using Google Maps or something for getting around a city is actually a really good example of memorizing facts. Like having a command of a town and a sense of direction is an offshoot of memorizing facts. And so you can just literally get lost somewhere in a town with no service or your battery dies and you're not able to find your way back. That's a time where there's like some real practical value to having facts in your head. So first of all, it's making me think of, and it's ironic that I can't remember, a platonic dialogue uh, with uh, Thamus and Thuth in the invention of writing. Is anyone? Phaedrus. Is that that Phaedrus? Mm -hmm. See, I should know that, but you know, here it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So when writing is in that myth, when writing is first discovered, it's introduced as a key to memory. But that's sort of pushed back on immediately. No, it's not a key for memory. It's a key for forgetting. Like if you write it down and store it somewhere, you don't have to hold it in your mind anymore. Almost making me wonder, which is this is very unlike me to wonder about these kinds of things, whether any technological tool that makes life easier is actually good for you. Right, because I'm exactly the sort of guilty of the Google Maps problem, right? I have a horrible sense of direction. Oh, likewise, but I I worry about that sometimes. Yeah, no, but but that's weird given that, like, you know, when I was a scout, I totally got my orienteering merit badge. So Mm -hmm. theoretically, I should be. You got the badge. Yeah, I've got the badge. You still got it. I still got it. You're accredited. I'm accredited. Yeah, so theoretically, (laughs) right, I should be able to orient myself quite well, but I can't. Like, I, I am so used to Google Maps at this point that I get hopelessly lost if I don't have it. If that's why it's an out of practice thing, like how do we decide which parts of our life it's okay to sort of automate in that way and like incorporate into technology to make it easier? Because in one way, my life's a lot easier if I can Google facts and Google maps my way home, right? So I think all we've said so far, I mean, we're just kind of figuring this out and talking this out because it's a a legitimate question. I didn't come here with any like ideas about where technology should be or whatever. 
But I think there's a mindfulness that needs to happen with memory. Um, automation and technology can be fantastic. We're right now recording a podcast <laughs> with microphones in a, through, a, a, through a computer in a digital system. That is awesome. That is really, really cool. I would think specifically in the area of looking things up and figuring out facts, that's where a mindfulness could be, where we could find ourselves just, yeah, using Google as a crutch. Mm -hmm. But I wonder about that even with the podcast, right? This isn't to say you should stop listening to this podcast. Please continue listening to this <laughs> podcast. But even with a podcast, right, it seems like part of what could be happening is someone that doesn't live an especially thoughtful life tunes into a podcast and it simulates the idea of being thoughtful without as much of the work and you listen to it and then you go home and go about your day. Especially if they have lots of cool audio effects that make you feel feelings while you're thinking thoughts. <laughs> yeah, like if there's a swelling orchestral sound behind my voice as I do this converse. No, no, this no, is that's a not radio lab. Yeah, no, it's not no. going to happen. <laughs> but right, so like I wonder, because it seems like a lot of the goal of technology and automation, whether or not we can pinpoint at any particular time what specifically it's doing, is to sort of leapfrog over steps in sort of the human experience. Right, like Google Maps, mm -hmm. I leapfrog over the step of having to know my way around my city. I can Google facts, I can Google dates. That leapfrogs me over the need to have a timeline held in my head of who published what when. Which I think on the one hand, that's awesome because it frees up some degree of time and effort for me to focus on other things that I feel are more important. But if what we've been saying is true and there's sort of importances at each of these steps that kind of build on each other. I wonder what, yeah, I guess I just repeat the question. I wonder what is it okay to automate and decide to leapfrog over? It seems like the spread of and the accessibility of information has to be neutral. It can't be good or bad for information to be spread the way it is now. That's my inclination is to think. Like any tool that humans make that is made to do something to make something easier, I think that tool is neutral. I think that there are uses for things like Google Maps and Wikipedia and you know just Googling things, whatever it might be. I think there are uses that make the accessibility of information a fantastic and beneficial thing. But I just can't get around, like if I tell you my favorite poem is Birches by Robert Frost, but if I have to look it up on my phone in order to start reading it to you, is it meaningful in any way actually to me I don't know. That's the thing I keep thinking about about information. Like memorization of facts can save us from falsehood and it can save us from constantly having to use a tool instead of our brains to discern. It just seems like if something really matters and the brain is infinitely capable, then maybe the tool is being used incorrectly when valuable and meaningful information is being kept in the tool rather than in the human. So maybe it's okay to use Google Maps to get places, but you should still know your home. And don't let Google Maps interfere with knowing your home. Whether that means knowing how to get home from somewhere or, you know, where the places in your life that are important to you, where they actually are. Like, I feel like that should be a part of who you are. And so you shouldn't let the tool stop that from being the case. Hmm. If the tool is keeping parts of being deeply human in itself rather than allowing you to make that part of you, that seems wrong. I don't know how to say it in a more specific way. So that's kind of hard. It sounds like what you're saying is it's bad once it's bad. That is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> like I, it's, I, I it's, think... it's not bad until it's bad. Well, it's like, I, I think what she's saying is it's a tool, so it's neutral. 
So Google could be like a just a really fast library, or a really fast librarian, rather. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's a neutral tool. Where it becomes bad is for you yourself, when you yourself get lazy and can't discern truth or find mm-hmm. a way home is what Megan said. It begins to minimize and then replace capacities that are natural and important to you as a human. And you're not using those capacities toward better ends on something else. You know, you're not like, I'm going to use the valuable brain power I would have been using to remember where my house is to solve world hunger. No, this is is a problem that I I think of all the time. Every time somebody says that in your cell phone is more technology or in your, you know, your, your regular calculator than that they had on the Apollo missions or something. And you're like, okay, yeah, but you... <laughs> no, there were human you, brains. You've no, never used your I, cell I phone call, to go to the moon. I also moon. always yeah. call beef on that because there were human brains on the Apollo mission, and there isn't, there still isn't a computer that does what those do. Right. And so when people mm-hmm. are like, they went, they they were able to go to space no, with less just, than just even, your even cell phone, you, it's like, no, there aren't like the minds of 10,000 scientists in my cell phone. Right, but the, there... <laughs> Even if you're just talking about the technology present, you know, in, in right. 1969 or whatever, uh, versus what's in your cell phone readily available, you've never used your cell phone to do anything other than social media, right? Like, you don't, you <laughs> don't, you're not part, going to the moon. Seems, it's true of me. I'm not going to the moon on my cell phone. <laughs> Tim Bartell is probably writing beautiful poetry on his cell sure. phone. Sure, yeah, he is. Like, or, while he's on the go during the, the day. Mm-hmm. Or Instagramming pictures of... Or Instagramming pictures, poetry. yeah. On go, a chair go, in go the follow, rain. Go follow Dr. <laughs> Timothy Bartell on Instagram if you want to if you want to see see the real stuff there. Or follow me, who's taking pictures of Dr. Timothy Bartell as he Instagrams. Right, and, and I'm not... This, again, is not me saying anything bad about social media. All it is is saying, like, don't confuse the two. Yeah, it's got more technology, but it doesn't mean you're more advanced. Yeah. It might be making you lazier. Well, I think that that's maybe you're the, connecting with people, and that's great. But that it's it's a different question than the technology available for the scientists on the uh, on the Apollo missions. Well, I think that might be part of the point of pointing that out is that okay, these people had X amount of technology, and they did this. Meanwhile, we have you know X times a million amount of technology, and we do nothing. <laughs> Yeah, it right. Doesn't, it doesn't make I, the astronauts look like losers. It makes us look like yeah, losers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And and I and I wonder how connected that is, right? Like if you know, if I can't go home and, you know, scroll random listicles or something, do I get better at astrophysics until I can go to the moon? Maybe. Well, right? I mean, it, it it would take a lot of active work of your mind towards astrophysics to be able to Right, that's true. But so, I mean... Um, <coughs> They're not inverse, inversely proportional. In other words, yeah, not, not like, necessarily. But, I mean, it's uh, is, it, is it Pascal that talks about sort of man as always trying to distract himself from how miserable he is? Yes. Um, and so, if you are not allowing yourself to be distracted, you can sort of instead sit in your misery, but then also be doing something actively about it. Uh, T.S. Eliot says the same thing, essentially, in Four Quartets. Okay. He, uh, he says that human beings can't bear very much reality. And he also says, this place of disaffection is full of, you're distracted from, from distraction, distraction by, by distraction. distraction. Yeah, that's it. It's not even that you're distracted. It's that you're distracted from distraction. You're already distracted. And then you're distracted again. Like I'm sitting on Facebook, scrolling through Facebook. And you get a Facebook, notification and then from I, Instagram. And yeah, <laughs> and then you look at Instagram <laughs> or a like, listicle. Like, you won't believe what these 80s stores look like now. And I, re- I read it. I totally do. And it's never that unbelievable. 
Yeah, I know. I usually yeah, like, yeah, one that's, of them that's like, what you would look like if you were forty. Turned into a cat or something. <laughs> that's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. I think I have some interesting things to think about. Does anybody have a last word regarding memory and why we John Muller does memorize some facts or get your facts straight? <laughs> get your facts straight. <laughs> Wink. Uh, that was a Pidgeotto reference, <laughs> which I remember because Hey-o. I saw Mr. Yi performing when we were in college. No, Mr. Gilbert. Thank you for outing me there. I don't actually have an incredible last word. What I've been thinking about since Megan mentioned home is Odysseus. And that came out of also thinking about Google Maps versus having a sense of direction. Being able to find your way from Troy to Ithaca with just knowing how to get home. Because you know home so well. And you know the stars. And you know the islands. Those seem like things worth knowing. Also... Oh, man, that's an interesting example because it still takes him so darn long to get back. Ten years, but you're from a seafaring community and you know the stars and you you know where you're going. You know where you're going in like the important factual way, but it can still be so hard to get home. We keep describing what I'm seeing as kind of like a fabric that's made of the things that are just true surface level facts. Like this is the path that I chart to get to Ithaca from Troy. But it's so a part of this is how I treat the gods. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this is how I behave when I'm a stranger in a land. This is how I behave when I'm a guest in someone's home. And all of these choices and all these things are still wrapped up in the fabric of knowing facts. And they all have an impact on what happens in your life. When I think about people that I want to be like, John, my husband, is much better about this than I am, and Dr. Bartell, who works here, is like this. You talk to them, and there's like this rich fabric of all the things that they've read and they care about and they know, and they're all mixed together, and they come out in unexpected times, and they make everything else more rich. If that's what facts can do for you, then I want that. I think that's that's a part of being a good human and I think it's a part of wisdom and knowledge. And I think that's how we use facts to be more infor- important than just being really good at being on Jeopardy, which is also fun and awesome. And yeah, no, Jeopardy, Jeopardy and trivia are Rules. totally, totally fun. worth I love it. it. <laughs> now, I, I want to I add on to that. I think that there's a richness there that having a base level mastery of general facts can really help. I'm reading through Dante's Divine Comedy. We're discussing it with my sophomores. And so encyclopedic. And he references things constantly. There's so much of the details that I have no idea what he's talking about. And I need the notes and I need the, like, to be able to look things up. But if I had to look up everything, that would get tedious. And looking it up without having that hmm. in the background and then just interrupting the poetry and interrupting the poetry to be like, what is, what is happening here? Then suddenly I feel bored by Dante where instead I should be enlivened. But it takes a little background information and knowledge of facts that would would bring that about. And if that's true about Dante, I'm sure that's true about real life and people that you interact with. Not having a mastery of facts makes the world kind of boring and then maybe makes you boring. All that to say, don't be boring. Memorize a bunch of random... Be cool, man. Be cool, man. Don't be boring. Memorize a bunch of random dates or something. (laughs) That's, That's right. right. That's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> that what is we were what I'm saying. saying. <laughs> Memorize dates, timelines, people involved, major figures. Go. In 1492, Columbus. Okay, this has been from the hallway, a podcast of the Saint Constantine School. 
Uh, my name is Christopher Yee. If you have any suggestions of random things you want me to pull my friends in and make them talk about with me, you can go ahead and give me an email at kyee at stconstantine.org. Thank you for listening, and uh, have a fact-filled memory. memory, memory uh, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>